You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 355 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. Uh, Seth running the show this week, so apologies in advance for that. Uh, joined by Mr. Fosma Mood. Foz, how you doing? I am well. I am yeah. well. I shared uh, with one of our common friends that we were doing the show without uh, Stephen, and the quote was, no adults. Yeah, sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> and he was very excited about it. Uh, well, that's worrisome, I think. Uh, yeah. Good to know. Good to know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ton of news this week. Um, fortunately, and I, I say we haven't, but we we had a bit of a meltdown over the weekend too in terms of scheduling. Uh, but we'll get to that in a minute uh, with Southwest. Uh, but first, a couple weeks ago, we had talked about British Airways and Gatwick and what the airline was trying to do there. And there's the right there's the discussion of this new subsidiary airline that they're trying to bring on board. And the union was big supporters right up until the minute they weren't. And so then. The airline's like, okay, well, the union's not going to play game, play ball. We're going to scrub everything. And they pulled all of the international services out of Gatwick short haul, but kept long haul. And now, apparently, the union has returned to negotiations and possibly endorses the concept again. What do you okay. think? <laughs> I mean, I guess the, my first question is, how much long haul is left at Gatwick right now? They're doing a decent amount of Caribbean. Okay. Because I don't think the, any of the U.S. routes are back. No. JetBlue is the only carrier operating U.S. to Gatwick right now, if I understand it correctly. They're definitely the only New York, and I think they're the only Gatwick. So, I mean, a bunch of Caribbean is probably, what, eight, maybe ten flights a day, if that? I would or, guess it's less than that. Um, no, I wouldn't even say they're daily, right? So, Some of the routes are, I think, like, peak season, maybe Barbados goes daily, but that was, I mean, Barbados is huge demand from the U.K. That was one of the Concord routes back in the day. Right. Um, but I think it's, uh, yeah, there's a, a couple. There's actually they. I gotta go find it. When they announced their uh, expanded routes for uh, the season, uh, for when right after the rules changed, mm-hmm. um, they they announced like a whole bunch of U.S. routes for reopening. They added a few more uh, routes into the Caribbean as well as part of the actually the 380 coming back news um, islands routes. Uh, Twelve flights a week to Barbados and nine each to Antigua and Saint Lucia. And they will split those between Heathrow and Gatwick. So, um, so some three, interesting options there. Three routes, maybe once a yeah. day if they're splitting it. Yeah, no, and and there's more. There's more than that. Those are increases that were mentioned. So just, okay. but yeah, you're right. There, there's not a ton. There'll be some Cuba, but it, it's, or there historically has been. Um, I no, my Nassau. When I went to the Bahamas, it was at a Heathrow. Um, but yeah, there's there's some options there. It's listen, it's they're they're trying, I guess. But yeah, you're right. There's not a ton of flights there it's also you know arguably interesting that they can support them without the connections from the short haul uh continental europe routes but well i don't know if anyone can truly make a connection like i i have probably a dozen times tried to make a ba connection at gatwick and the short haul always gets delayed <laughs> well, to, you get for operating with one runway the busiest the point, single runway airport in the world right yeah and you end up misconnecting and then they have to put you on a bus to heathrow and then fly you up from heathrow it, it is so i don't know how many people really do connect on ba yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, I think the last time I tried to do it, the last time I did a Gatwick connection on BA, it was actually, I think it was London City to Gatwick. I had to transit. So, or Heathrow to Gatwick is one of the two. Yeah, I, so. I have tried to fly through Gatwick, do a connection through Gatwick any number of times. And was that always... the JFK long haul stuff? Or? You know what? Um, not was JFK. It, there, weren't, uh, there weren't many options unless you were going to the Caribbean, as we've established. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be your thing. Well, uh, no, there, there was JFK, there was Tampa. Okay. Um, there was Orlando at one point, right? There was a bunch of routes they were doing. They had five or six destinations and 
I've, I've tried to do any number of them with no luck. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, you excited for the 380 to come back? British Airways? Do you care? I don't really care. <laughs> I mean, it's nice that they're coming back and not all getting scrapped. Yeah, Miami, Los Angeles, and Dubai will get service this winter. Good. So those all the three flagship routes for the 380. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's summer, or not summer, but sun, sun and surf in some ways. I guess if you had Dubai, you could say skiing, too. Because for whatever reason, some people like to go ski in a shopping mall. But yeah, they're they're seeing demand for the sun routes for sure, or hopefully. That's great. I mean, I imagine they got rid of all of not most of their seven fours, right? Yeah, seven fours gone. Yeah, so it, I guess it makes sense to bring a three eighty back because beyond that, they just have the triple seven three hundreds as the largest ship. Uh, largest ship. Yeah, the three fifty one thousand is pretty big too. I'm not sure which has more seats for them, but. Um, yeah, either way, now the 380 is going to have more seats, but, um, yeah, it'll be, it, I'm, I'm intrigued by that, bringing them back. Uh, it's five frames coming back by the end of the year. Uh, they're going to do a couple, I think Frankfurt and Madrid turns to get crew familiarization and pilot training back up to snuff. Okay. And that's one of the bigger challenges they had is like, I, I think I'm pretty sure I know for the 747s and I think also for the 380s, they let most of the, a lot of the pilot training expire or not stay current. Yeah, that's gonna it's gonna be a fair bit of work to ramp it up. So that, yeah, I mean they've got it. It's not. I think that you keep your type rating, but you got to like redo sim time and then redo actual landings to get current again, something okay. like that. So they had they. It's not like truly like they can't you know fly the planes anymore, obviously, because and they don't have to do full training to, from the start. But uh, there is definitely a ramp up there and getting the flight attendants certified again as well. So, so to answer your question, the yeah. um. 350-1000 has 14 more seats, but has no first. Okay. The 777-300 has first, as does the 7810. Okay. Yeah, so a few more people, but none of them get the fancy-fancy beds. Although, they get club suites, which is the nicer business class, at least. Right. So, interesting. Um, one last British Airways story while we're having this joyous, joyous, yeah, joyous British conversation. Uh, the, the Hong Kong flight, I think it was last Friday... There were some storms in Hong Kong, and there was a bunch of planes that circled for a bit and this and that, but the BA 777 diverted. It wasn't storms. It was a typhoon. (laughs) Well, that's a type of storm. (laughs) It's a little more serious than a typical Hong Kong storm. Fair. Okay, fine. I honestly never – I didn't look into what details were behind the weather, but uh, (laughs) – Okay, so there's a typhoon, um, sort of like a hurricane or tropical storm, but, you know, in Asia, Uh, and it caused a bunch of diversions, and – you know, diversions are bad in general, but in the COVID travel era where the rules are so wonky, this one diverted from Hong Kong to Manila. Well, actually, did you read any of the details on the landings? No. So it, they tried to land in Hong Kong twice and aborted. Okay. After the second abort, they just decided they couldn't land there. And then they went to Manila because uh, they were on right. reserves. Uh, and then, Which is, by the way, 700 miles out of the way. That's like an hour and a half plus flying. Right. And then they got to Manila. But no one could get off the plane. Right. Well, this is the, right. There's rules about entry and beyond just visa issues. Like this is one of those like, okay, do you have the right COVID details to get in at this point? So not good. Exactly. Um, yeah. And then like what? This, then the crew had they had crew rest issues. The, the pilots all had to like go take a nap. Everybody had and the, all the crew had to go sleep at least eight hours or whatever. But I guess probably more because it was a longer flight. But then they finally the next day were able to come back. I think 14 hours later. Yeah. And I think they had another missed approach coming back into Hong Kong the next day. <laughs> oh, man. 36 hours on board a 777 trying to get to Hong Kong. And the crazy part about it is, now they got three weeks of quarantine. Yeah. 
After all that. After all that. So. <sighs> well, I mean, at least they got there. Yes, safely. And, I mean, there really isn't much more you could do, right? It is. I am surprised that they didn't just divert to some place if they're going to sit on the ground. Just divert to some place in mainland China. I so right. I think the risk there is would the Chinese authorities let them just sit on the ground for that long? Mm. So, and you know, what other bits might come to pass? There's been a lot of apprehension about, uh, we'll say, Western European and American flight crews about touching mainland China for overnights at this point. I know it's, and a lot of it comes down to like the testing is the testing in the quarantine situation is not great. Right. But I guess is Manila closer than like something in Vietnam? Uh, Vietnam is kind of closed also. Um, but I mean, so they were kind of, it is, uh, well, it is for Saigon or for Ho Chi Minh city. Uh, Hanoi is 150 miles closer, 200 miles closer. So Hanoi could have worked. Um, it's probably the best that, that would have been the closer option. Yes. If you're, if you know, you're just going to sit on the plane anyways, Maybe Hanoi would have been smarter, but at that point, I don't know why. Like, because BA historically has had service to Manila, hasn't it? Yeah. So, but I don't think they fly to Hanoi. So maybe you go somewhere you've got a base. Maybe or operations. Yeah. I guess Taipei wasn't an option because it's too right. close. Hmm. <sighs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, I've landed in Hong Kong during a typhoon. It's never fun. Yeah, well, we're we're supposed to go on that A three fifty inaugural during the typhoon. Yes. Dulles to Hong Kong on Cafe. They're, they're an inaugural flight. We had those seats booked. We could have made it just six hours late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not disappointed that I canceled that trip. Although I've still never flown on a 350-1000. So maybe I'm a little disappointed. Well, you'll get your opportunity, I'm sure. I actually, <laughs> it's funny that I had, I had one booked and I canceled it. I'm going to the Dubai Air Show in a few weeks, in four weeks now, five weeks now, mid-November. And was putting trying to put together a trip that could meet the uh, travel budget and some things. And had a toss up between Qatar Airways and Turkish to get there. And the Qatar Airways flight had a 350-1000, I think on the uh, Doha Dubai or Doha Abu Dhabi segment. I'm going into one, I'm going to one of the two and I ended up switching and taking the Turkish flights. And so you're doing the Boston uh, Istanbul flight. Yep. They actually, I was going to do Boston to Doha. So I mean, both of them have that service. Uh, I think Qatar Airways isn't daily, which is one of the challenges I had for my dates. But uh, in the end, the pricing to get, uh, the to basically get under the budget for the conference uh, and have the right number of days. It was like Qatar wanted like an eight night or nine night stay, and Turkish would let me get away with seven. So, and had the inventory I needed. So, no brainer. No, nope. uh, well, yeah, <laughs> going might be also mean and have no brain, but we'll see. Uh, get a night in Tur- get a night in Istanbul, which I haven't done in a long, long time, and then uh, a night in Abu Dhabi before I go to Dubai for the work. Anyway, so what are the requirements to leave the airport in Istanbul? Uh, relatively easy for vaccinated. Good. Um, yeah, they, they, Turkey has been very welcoming generally, uh, and especially not for vaccinated Americans. I, I got to double check if I need a test or not, but at worst it's test plus vaccination. I think it might just be vaccination. Um, and it could change three times in the next four weeks, but, uh, I've got a 23 hour layover, so I hope it doesn't change too much. <laughs> um, Hopefully. Yeah. And then Abu Dhabi and Dubai, the UAE is pretty much wide open if you're vaccinated. I think you need to get their local app to track things, but otherwise, uh, no big deal. Okay. Anyway, um, Southwest Airlines. Not having a weekend. They had a pretty bad weekend. Uh, and uh, it rolled into Monday, too. Rolled into Monday. I assume it'll roll into Tuesday as well. We're recording Monday night, so you know we'll all be surprised depending to see what the answer is. Uh, yeah, so backstory is Friday night, there was a little bit of weather and a slightly understaffed air traffic control center in Jacksonville, Florida. And 
Southwest, as a result, canceled more than 2,000 flights over the weekend, over three days, which does not add up. So that's the official reason they're giving. Right. They, they, they continue to say the weather and ATC issues on Friday night uh, cascaded and left too many uh, planes and crew out of position, and they didn't have sufficient reserves available to bring you know new pilots in and get planes back into into place and get everything moving again correctly. And I mean, we went through this with Spirit a few weeks ago, where only one airline was severely affected, despite you know the storms affecting theoretically everybody evenly. Um, and then trying to it took Spirit even longer probably to get back and sort of reset everything. But uh, yeah, so South, we, we won't know for sure how if it's longer or shorter since Southwest isn't fully fixed yet. But uh, it's uh, not a good scene. Not a good scene. There's questions. There have been accusations of vaccination related uh, sick out by this by the union um both the union and the airline have vehemently denied that the faa has gotten in the action on twitter aggressively uh tweeting subtweeting quote tweeting and otherwise getting at various outlets claiming anything other than the facts that as you know shared by the different groups which is basically crews got out of position we didn't have enough spare crew and that was the problem I mean, could this be fallout that they just reduced staffing too much? I think that's got to be part of it. And reduced staffing comes from a couple different levels. One was, you know, there's retirements and buyouts early on in the pandemic. Um, and then as they tried to ramp back up, just rehiring, especially for pilots and, uh, excuse me, for pilots is hard and takes time. Um, you know, for flight attendants, it's a little easier, but it still takes time. I don't think the issue was, you know, outside of that, like, I don't think it was ground handling or anything like that, where those are roles that, Southwest in particular has said it's been having trouble filling, but I don't think that's been the issue. I mean, there's, I go back and forth a little bit between you can have a employee related issues with, without it being a sick out or a strike. And so, right. You know, work to rule, if you will, is a phrase of, you know, I don't have to take the overtime. I don't have to pick up the extra trips. I don't have to do these things. And I don't remember if it was Southwest or the union said that like pilots were picking up open trips. They weren't completely not working, but I think there's probably a little bit of a fuzzy line in between. We absolutely did not do anything that is explicitly prohibited by the fact that we have a lawsuit pending in front of the uh, NLRB, NLB, the labor board, but also like things still went pretty badly and it can't, I don't think it can only be because there were a few flights delayed on Friday night. I mean, I think part of the challenge with Southwest is right. They, the way they're the design of their network, they do a lot of short flights. Uh, and they daisy chain on top of each other. And one hiccup has a lot of downline impacts. Yeah. And I think spirit similarly does that right. You know, and there's hell back in, back in the day, not really that long ago, like five ish years ago, United was doing more of that as well, right? A plane would go hub spoke, different hub spoke, different hub rather than hub spoke back to the same hub. So you go Newark, Detroit, Chicago, Des Moines, San Francisco, or something stupid like that, rather than Newark, Detroit, Newark, and then well, Austin, but, Newark, and then but, whatever. But then three years ago, they said, well, we're not going to do that anymore. But well, so I- they got burned, right? And it's one of those things, it's in some ways more efficient for crew timing and aircraft utilization to have those more or less hub-bound planes and crew, but also the risk grows. And Spirit has the same problem, or this, a similar approach to aircraft routing. And when they had their issues two months ago, a similar uh, sort of cascading effect throughout the network. I, I'm trying to remember, it was when when Southwest launched LaGuardia service, 
and to to address this issue as you described it, they explicitly because LaGuardia was so delay prone, they dedicated a subfleet essentially. What's funny in the last few months, I've noticed that United has started doing a lot more out and backs from Newark. Yeah, so they're starting to do it again, at least as a Newark. What um, out and backs, or you mean like hopping through? No, no, out and backs. So they stopped doing out and backs like three years ago. They they they've gone through that cycle a couple of times. I think five years ago they were doing sort of called through flights or whatever, and they got burned, and so they switched back to the out and backs. But it's less efficient, and so it's you know sort of once they got things stable again, they probably switched back again, and now yeah. they're back again. And if I could keep saying back again, no one will know what I'm talking about at all. It'll be great. It's it's just a cycle. They'll yeah. go back and forth <laughs> and realize that neither is perfect. Yeah, well, it's like everything in this industry, the airlines like, oh, no, things are going well. Things are going well. We can tweak it a little bit. We can try to exact a tiny bit more profit out of everything. And for months, if not years at a time, that'll work. But when it fails, goodness, does it fail uh, incredibly. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I read a statistic. You know, this goes back to a conversation we had a few weeks ago that at least domestically capacity is back to 86% of pre-COVID levels domestically. Yeah, that sounds about right. I would, I would almost, I'm actually surprised it might be that low. It's damn close to it's at least for united okay yeah no i I think overall just especially because spirit and frontier and allegiant and a few like they're much smaller airlines but they've grown significantly in the last uh in this year in 2021 they've recovered so much faster i mean spirit just signed another lease for 20 more planes over the next three years in addition to everything else they've been working towards so they're not they're not screwing around they're ready to have they're ready to keep growing which is good I don't know. I mean, you can start flying Spirit now as they grow at Newark? No. I'm not, I'm not getting on a Spirit plane. And besides, they're more likely to focus on Atlantic City. No, man. They, they, were, they won that lawsuit against the FAA. They want, they want Newark's loss. Good. I mean, it'll force everyone else to drop their prices. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, good luck, Southwest. Hope you're, you know, recovered and not stupid going forward. Um, Air India? Going back to where it came from. Back to where it came from. The Tata group tata brother tata and sons group uh has purchased the airline the deal has hasn't closed but this the deal has been announced um taking on like two billion dollars in debt plus four hundred thousand in cash uh fronted plus and that's just to get you know sort of get the brand and the planes or some of the planes and get things starting moving there's a ton of expenses that's it's been interesting to see some of the news that's cropped up sort of since the deal was announced uh late last week in terms of like the the 787s are half grounded at any given point in time because of maintenance deferrals that's what i was going to say i mean is it from t- from a acquisition standpoint does it given how poorly maintained their entire fleet is does it even make sense to take the fleet in the current market versus just going out and getting leasing new planes just like take the existing ones and scrap them yeah let let them disappear as part of the bankruptcy i i don't think the government would t- would keep them i'm, I'm whatever the deal's done now and the government wasn't keeping them so but that, that that is an interesting question like could you negotiate no we just want the brand in the slots and we'll go find our own planes yeah because the amount of money they're going to have to invest to bring those planes to reasonable shape is going to be a fair bit. And it's not yeah. just money, it's time. Yeah. No, it, it is both a lot of money and a lot of time. And I, I guess the for better or worse, you know, one of the part of the good news is like the fleets aren't, the planes aren't all completely broken. Um, but yes, getting five, you know, 787s fully back, I'd like fully back up and inspected and whatever while still getting the rest of the planes up and running because keeping the rest of the 787s running because they've basically been cannibalizing these grounded ones for parts and whatnot. But you also don't know what's wrong with the five that are running. Right, it's not like they're in perfect shape. That's fair. Um, 
I think, you know, from my perspective, one bit of good news is a comment that they do plan on finally upgrading the in-flight entertainment systems and, and bringing some of that stuff back up to sort of modern levels. So, so they're going to stop using eight millimeters. <laughs> no, there's a, a real touchscreen old, like three generations ago, touchscreen. So the ones United ripped out basically, <laughs> um, you sort of can judge the age of IFE system based on the dimensions of the bezel around the screen. And these are big, um, but no, I, 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 I still think it's interesting. Someone, you know, shared the note that Tata paid double for, uh, the air India brand compared to what jet airways bought, whatever. I don't remember the name of the brand jet airways bought when it sort of did its thing the first time around. Um, say nothing of the fact that someone else is also trying to bring jet airways back again next year and has, I believe closed on the deal to buy that brand out and sort of recover it. And someone else is starting a new low cost carrier in India because that seems like a great way to go from being a billionaire to a millionaire. Uh, I mean, if, if they want to keep rebranding or re- resurrecting these brands, can they just like do what software does and add a version number at the end? <laughs> Air into 2.0, Air into point two point two. Like what version are we up to now? Um, Eastern 6.0. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, Eastern 3, I think, is what we're on now. 3.1, if you count their cargo operations. Uh, 3.1.1. 3 or 4. Groups. I thought we, this this was the fourth iteration. Maybe I'm confusing it with Pan Am. Yeah. I mean, well, the Pan Am trains is 4, isn't it? Anyway. Uh, no, because there was, obviously, there was the original Eastern that then folded into Continental. Um, when it came back, that was, is it Eastern the one that was based in Newport News? think so yeah um and then that collapsed and then the new one came the third one came back and was doing charter stuff and was trying and finally got into passenger stuff so i think this is just the third one within the cargo is you know 311 for work groups um anyway uh did you know that the headquarters for the pan am trains is north in portsmouth according to wikipedia the headquarters is northville Wreckham, massachusetts for the trains Interesting. I think the airline was in Portsmouth. Yes, the airline was in Portsmouth, but the trains was in the suburb of Boston. I mean, I've been in Bilrick, and it's just like, you wouldn't expect much. But hey. Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect an airline to be based in Portsmouth either, so, you know. And for an airline that's based there, they do, they do an awful, very little flying, so it's disappointing. You'd think they could make money just shipping passports. Fair point, yeah. I actually drive past that uh, facility all the time. The State Department's main passport processing facility is in Suburban Portsmouth, New Hampshire, for people who didn't get Foz's reference there. Um, Singapore, you going to go back? At some point, I need my, need my lime juice. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to let Stephen pick the hotel. Now you don't like saying the yellow submarine? Oh, no. Well, that, they've deflagged from Starwood Marriott anyway. So. Have they? Okay. Yeah. That's a, an episode that y'all can go back and listen to um, from a few years ago. Um, but the... The sort of verified travel, excuse me, verified travel lanes are coming to Singapore and they're adding a whole bunch of more countries. The U.S. is one of them. Uh, I think Australia, there's a handful of others, like eight new countries were being added. But the website crashed under demand when this was announced. Like people seem to be very, very excited about going to visit Singapore. And for a variety of reasons, I don't understand that. Um, to go shopping. But, but why, why would you go all the way to Singapore to go shopping? Lime juice? Okay. I mean, they do have some really good food there. Yeah. No, I mean, I I don't find Singapore as like a long-term destination. And we've talked about this many times in the past. I, I don't. I think it's fine for 24, 48, maybe hours, maybe three days. But And that's mostly to acclimate for jet lag. Um, 
Otherwise, I, it's not my cup of tea. I think our producer described it best a long time ago. And I asked him about going to Singapore. He goes, you go to Singapore on your way to somewhere else. It's a good place to yeah. stop for a few days, but it's not the destination. Yeah. And so right now, a lot of the onward destinations that one typically would go to in the sort of Southeast Asia region are still closed to Americans. Um, Thailand is sort of starting to open up maybe a little bit. Um, but you might go to Singapore for business, right? That is, yeah, that, that is a valid reason to go to Singapore. There is a banking sector, and they, there, I think there's some trade shows that they're trying to do too. Yeah, and I would say, and just like general trading, there is business happening there, um, technology stuff as well. So, not not manufacturing necessarily, or not heavy, not a huge volume of manufacturing. But one of the other interesting things about it, though, is as I understand it, they are going to require uh, digital verification of vaccination status. Okay, which most Americans can't provide. So how do you get in? Well, uh, right now, uh, for a lot of Americans, you probably still can. I mean, they're restarting Seattle and uh, I think you said San Francisco, right? Yeah. And, well, yes. Uh, the Seattle is a tag flight from Vancouver. Well, Seattle, like. remember, Seattle Vancouver existed before pandemic. On Singapore? Yeah. Okay. They started that. Not Well, I think they started. I know it was supposed to start. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought I, I thought they announced Seattle. I didn't remember the Vancouver tag. Part. I don't remember the tag part. But no, no, the Vancouver part wasn't. But Seattle, Singapore was right. But, but so now the the restart is going to be seasonal, four times a week. Singapore, Vancouver, Seattle, and then reverse Seattle, Vancouver, Singapore. Um, if I'm reading this correctly, uh, and what's really interesting is that and again, it's for the winter from uh, December second to February fifteenth. Two of the flights will operate as VTL, vaccinated travel lane services, for quarantine free entry. But the other two will not, I guess. How does that work? Um, yeah, you you quarantine when you get there. Okay, so depending on the day you travel, you might not have to quarantine versus you might have to? Yes. That's confusing. They're using different flight numbers, at least. Yes, Singapore SIA will also operate SQ twenty seven, a twice le- twice weekly Seattle Vancouver Singapore service that is not a designated VTL flight. This would cater to customers who are ineligible to enter Singapore under the VTL arrangement. But, I have to from, assume there's enough cargo coming that'll, that justifies those flights. From a passenger perspective, right? And your average passenger will not know at time of booking what flight number is what. Yeah, I, I, I mean, if you're booking directly on the Singapore side, I'd like to think there's some indications thereof, but. Um, yeah, booking through a third party or something like that, that could get super interesting. Yeah. So, um, VTL services from Amsterdam, Barcelona, Copenhagen, London, Los Angeles, Milan, New York, Paris, and Rome from next week and Seoul from November on top of the existing services from Brunei, Frankfurt, and Munich. But if they're doing VTL from JFK in LA, but they're requiring digital validation, how does that work? So interesting you say that. California and New York are two states that provide it. Uh, so you have to be originating from those places. So the California has a health pass and that is validated and verified by the state. You can, It's not mandatory, but you can. Uh, and New York has the, I think it's the Excelsior Plus pass is like there's the Excelsior pass and then the plus version of it. And the, just the Excelsior is sort of just like a generic QR code, but the plus is validated and verified by the state. So. But what if you don't have a phone, like a smartphone, like you're just SOL? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, I mean, I didn't put this on the topic list, but uh, Malaysia, in Malaysia, AirAsia is going to 100% mandatory check-in on their app as because the, they're, they're restarting this week as well. They're restarting uh, interstate travel among, within uh, Malaysia. And so 
think it's something like 30 to 50 flights a day to start out of most out of Kuala Lumpur and 100% requirement of app-based check-in. And in the very near future, they're going to go to facial recognition-based boarding. Interesting. And like, period, that's it. Like, I, maybe there's a way it'll be like, I don't know, I'm a stupid American, I don't have your app, but I think their answer will be like, oh, here, give me your phone and let me show you how to download it if you're from the app store. I don't know. It's it's a really interesting situation to me. Certainly, it's going to make a lot more people use their app. And even before the pandemic hit, AirAsia was working towards this sort of super app concept, but it does food delivery and ride hailing and banking and medical tourism and all sorts of other crap well beyond just being like a specific local airline service. So they're, they're definitely trying to find good way, ways to make people use it. And it seems like now, like it's your only option if you're flying. It's ironic because with the way things have been going, I've actually stopped using apps and deleting all my apps because of the data mining that's going on in the back end. Yeah. Well, that's why AirAsia wants it. They want all that data. Yeah. So, so fascinating. Yeah. Um, Spirit Airlines, even though you're never going to fly them, uh, Miami service just started. So they finally launched. They now serve uh, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and West Palm out of South Florida. It's great. I mean, they're growing very aggressively. Yeah. And, you know, to to serve my needs, they also started the day after they launched Miami service, they launched Manchester, New Hampshire service, which I'd like to argue is more important. But, you know, I'll probably lose that fight. Manchester to where? Orlando, uh, Fort Lauderdale, Tampa, Fort Myers. And they just announced Myrtle Beach as part of their inaugural launch. So it's two to three X weekly on most of the routes. Um, or maybe it's four for Orlando and Fort Lauderdale. And then the other, then in Tampa and Fort Myers were like alternating the other two days, two and two. But yeah, it's. So that brings the number of airlines that fly non-regionals to two now. That fly non-regionals. So you put that caveat on there. <laughs> Who's the second? Southwest. Oh, right. Cause they don't fly any regional. Although they, I mean, they still do fly to. Uh, Manchester, but a fraction of what they used to before they had Boston service. Oh, have they shrunk drastically? Yeah, I mean, it, well, Manchester used to be the Southwest Boston hub. Yeah. And Providence it? to a slightly lesser extent. But Southwest is sort of why Manchester is a big airport at all. That is from, true. From like 20, 30 years ago. So, but then as with many markets, Southwest finally decided to, you know, go big and get into the big city airport. And so now they've got a pretty decent operation at Logan. Um, I would say I, I did take the regional flight at uh, to Dulles on United CR two, big winning. That's uh, new because it used to they used to United never really flew there. Continental used to fly flew yeah. there from Newark and Cleveland. So the Newark flight just came back as well, or just got reannounced as well. But they had the Dulles market. Um, yeah, New Hampshire to upstate New York via Washington or via suburban Washington D.C. was an interesting morning. <laughs> talk about going out of your way it, honestly it was about the same total travel time as if I, we had just driven straight through by the time we like left early enough in the morning and got to the airport and parked the car and got through security and then sat and waited and then connected and sat and waited um, but we didn't want to have to drive we were flying in and driving back and didn't want to have to drive the whole way separately coming back you got some cool lines out of it that's a theory uh, <laughs> um, what else we got here oh there's a building in Seattle that is going to have a 747. It's a mixed-use sort of downtown building. It's going to have a 747 fuselage as part of a like part of the interior. It's like a performance venue, music, something, something. I don't quite understand what's going on, but it's like going to be hanging in the middle of the lobby of this building, and it turns out it's going to be an old United frame. I mean, that's really exciting. But did they have to go for the United ones? Those are some of the most beat-up ones out there. 
You think you're going to be able to tell after they completely gut the interior? Oh, hopefully not, but you never know about that stench. <laughs> oh, man. Rough crowd. Uh, they've taken the United uh, livery off of it and are going to remove the wings and drive it up to Seattle from uh, the, the graveyard, from the desert. I mean, that's pretty awesome. I'm just surprised they didn't sell the naming rights to it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a. I guess it's been parked long enough. You wouldn't want to try to. You wouldn't spend the money to get it back serviceable to fly it up and then take the wings off when you got there. No, no, that doesn't make sense. But you'd have to buy engines and stuff, right? I yeah, mean, but or you, rent engines. But whatever. you could leave the tulip on it and get everyone excited and just make United pay you a sponsor fee. Uh, excited is one word. I, depending on who who you are, I would yeah. get excited. But there's a number of people who would get very worked up about it. There are, and perhaps that's why we're not doing it. Uh yeah, no, that's a could be, but it, it, I think I think it's gonna be a cool interior space. I like you know recycling and repurposing the airframes, but this is one I'm a little skeptical of. Um, last topic: uh, Air Belgium joining the big boys with a new plane. Where are they gonna fly it? Caribbean right now. They're actually doing some interesting Caribbean routes uh, out of Belgium and doing tag flights, even uh, secondary services. So. Hmm. I don't. I don't remember exactly which islands it was. I know it's not Saint Martin because the guy I know in Saint Martin was annoyed at that. Um, but I don't think it was like I may have been Martinique or Guadeloupe, and then like a tag flight to some other random island nearby before coming back. Are they still flying out of Charleroi? Yeah. Okay. It's close enough. I think I actually think it, that works in their favor because it's close enough to France, or it's so much closer to France Got it. that they can pick up the the sort of northwestern, the very northwestern French region folks trying to go to Martinique and Guadeloupe okay, and keeping it. Yeah. So it's, I mean, that's instead of those people taking a train down to Paris or whatever, they just hop over and to Charlois and go from there. And you don't have to deal with the goal. Added bonus. Um, and, and pretty soon you'll get a new a 330 Neo as opposed to those old a 340 300s. So <laughs> it's, I don't know. It, it is somewhat amusing to me to see, you know, an airline that's sort of built itself and, Right, they tried. Hong Kong was one of their early routes, and like basically almost bankrupted the company. They did some charter around the world flights. They did, a, I saw one of them in Hanoi, I think. Well, they did confused. a ton of um, wet lease flights during the seventy debacle. Oh, that too, yeah. And during the pandemic, they did a lot of cargo, or early in the pandemic, they did a lot of cargo ops uh, into China and back. But you know, it's I give them props for sort of sticking it out and proving, at least appearing to be somewhere in the realm of profitable or functional enough to buy new airplanes. So. That's a big milestone for an airline. Good um, for them. Yeah. Anything else? No, I don't have anything. All right. Um, we got a couple other topics for our Patreon supporters, uh, including some membership rewards uh, drama and interesting lounge and scheduling conversations, uh, skipping over hubs. Uh, so if you want to listen to that, uh, hop over to our Patreon page uh, and sign up. Best $2 you can spend any month. I strongly believe that. Uh, otherwise, uh, feel free to give us a follow on Twitter at DotsLines or leave us a comment there. Ask us questions there. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can go to moredotsmorelines.com, but I think you'll be the only one because the site traffic is basically no. Uh, and yet we still maintain it. Go figure. And uh, on that note, I will stop talking because I'm full of useless information now. <laughs> Take care. Have a good night.